Welcome to episode 590 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast, brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show where you are in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. I'm impressed that you were able to do that again two weeks later. I made sure. Without even made, writing it down. I know. I know. I'm impressed. I remembered. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive. All right. Well, we are back after uh, a, a week off. Sorry about that, folks. That's mostly my fault. Um, yeah. End of the school year. I'm going to blame end of the school year. But we were just prepping you, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll be back next week, and then uh, for a while. So, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> All right. Well, we actually have some listener feedback this week, including one that uh, we just kind of forgot to put in the notes last time. Probably my fault also. Uh, That's actually a really interesting thought experiment. So both of these were emailed to us at entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. First one is from Jose, longtime listener. I, I think... I think I could call him a friend, maybe even. Uh, He says, first of all, congrats on 588 episodes. I know the milestone episodes are every 100, but like I said for episode 500, every episode is greatly appreciated and should be celebrated. Your podcast is the last of the homegrown podcasts that I listen to that's still around. Wow. Yeah, that's... That's saying something. I I really appreciate that. So rather than wait until you hit 600 or 700 or 1,000, I'd rather thank you for 588. There's more to this this message, but this this really meant a lot. Like, 500, yes, 588 is a lot. We've been doing this for a long, long time. And the number one reason why we still do this show is because of you listeners. Like we, of course, we still like doing this, but the biggest reason is because of all of you. If you stop engaging with us, this podcast will die quickly. So, <laughs> so thank you, Jose, oh, a lot. That that's a what lot. you needed to do. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Get out of the show. So just nope. uh, stop emailing us and you can just focus on home on. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. Jose continues. Initially, I was going to write just to say that, but in last week's episode, someone wrote in about Media Center, Windows Media Center, which got me thinking, I do miss a lot of the fun, nerdy stuff that comes along with a server-based setup. And I still have a couple of HD Home Run Primes and even an Infiniti V6 stored away somewhere. I'm wondering, what current solutions are there that support cable card? I know channels supports copy freely content, but are there any non-subscription based solutions that you guys can think of? I might make this my summer project this year and go down that rabbit hole. There's a little bit more, but we'll stop here for this question. Uh, First off, Jose, you're sitting on a gold mine with a couple (laughs) of HD home run primes. Like, you could probably sell those for, like, multiple Bitcoin at this point. Oh, wow. I don't know about that. Because remember, they had that that uh, kind of follow-up run a while ago, and I bought a spare just in case. <laughs> right. Says the guy who now doesn't have cable. Eee, but, you know. Sell it for Ethereum. <laughs> I don't, I'm just like, I've listed all of the cryptocurrency that I know of. Dogecoin, dude. Dogecoin. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, So Richard and I thought about this. And for those of you watching the live stream, I have a cat that keeps jumping up on my desk. She will not listen and go away. This is the fun that you miss by not being here for the live stream. So, oh my gosh. And so anyway, Richard and I were trying to think of some solutions here. And... It's interesting that he that Jose asked for non-subscription based solutions because Plex is the first one that you and I both thought of, Richard, and, and I think you thought of it because you did it. Yeah, I used it. I had my HD Home Run Prime as well as other devices 
from Silicon Dust running into Plex, and that worked really well. But again, it's all stuff that is not copy protected. I don't know that, frankly, and spoilers, anyone is offering you anything that isn't copy protected other than TiVo right now. Yeah, there there is zero chance that anybody is is supporting copy protected cable card stuff right now. It it's just the licensing for it alone is too cost prohibitive. So that's definitely not happening. Now, if you want something that you don't have to pay a subscription for for uh for having the DVR software, Plex is out of the question. Uh, because they do still charge, you have to be PlexPass subscriber to have the DVR. So right. uh, the possibilities that we came up with are probably Cody and maybe MB because both of them have pretty extensive, you know, third, you know, lots of people are doing crazy custom things with both of them, especially Cody. So I think that's pretty likely for. But again, only for copy freely content. And when right. we say that, that all comes down to your particular cable provider and how the stations on those cable providers are asking for their content to be protected. So typically, your uh, typical networks like ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, those are typically not copy protected and would work. Uh, ESPN, CNN, Fox News, decent chance that's all going to be copy protected, but it really just depends on your cable provider. And you won't really know until you try. Like you can call your cable provider and ask them and they might know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't (laughs) know that anybody on a customer service line is going to know the answer to that. Yeah, it's it's pretty unlikely, pretty unlikely. So, and five years ago, seven, eight years ago, I could have told you which of of the big cable providers tend to copy protect things and which ones don't. I don't remember, and it's so old, it it probably wouldn't be accurate anymore. Mm, so, yep. I I'm not even going to attempt to take a guess there. So, I would try MB or Cody as as your other options outside of Plex. But the real answer is we don't really know. We don't know for sure. Correct. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. And Jose did have one more question. As another random question, and this one is for Josh, are you still playing Warzone, Call of Duty's free-to-play Battle Royale mode? He says, I'm curious how you feel about Caldera. I absolutely hate it. Even though my stats are actually better on this map, it's definitely more frustrating in so many ways to the point that I've started to check out Apex Legends and I even tried Fortnite last week. Oh, shudder. Uh, just wondering how you felt about the map and if you're looking forward to Warzone 2. Well, wait, wait, was that shudder you or him? That was me. Yeah, I don't like Fortnite. It's uh, I'm not into build like I don't like Minecraft, so I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to play Minecraft while I shoot at people. Like that seems <laughs> real dumb. Sorry. Like I. I know it's like the most popular game in the universe, but it isn't for me. So Warzone. I have not been playing much Warzone. I'm not good at battle royale games. So uh, the the guys that I normally play with, we will occasionally play the plunder mode. Although I think it's got a new name now. Um, because in that mode, you can respawn. And that's really useful when you're not very good, because if you're not very good in a battle royale, you don't last long. So uh, I, so I, I, I think I've played a couple of times on on this new map in Plunder, and I had a decent time, but it's definitely small and very, very different than the old map. All right, well, that's it for everything from Jose. Again, thank you to Jose for sending in that message with all of those fun questions. Our next message is from Mark, and Mark sends us what he calls a thought exercise, and I think it's a good conversation to have. He says, hey, Josh and Richard, let's assume you have reasons you want to move. Funny, I've done that recently. (laughs) Good reasons, like being closer to family and 
getting more land so you can expand your home-based business. But the one drawback is that the rural area you're moving to has little in the way of internet options. Imagine everything else about the move is in the pro column, but the only con is the internet situation. At least you're looking at DSL at best. You're looking at DSL with 10 down and one up, maybe. Could you do it? This is the situation I'm faced with now, and I have to admit I'm nervous. We're a family of four, and my kids assume the internet is ubiquitous and always on. I'm into smart home tech. Shout out to Home On. Thank you. And I have cameras, smart bulbs, locks, outlets, and switches throughout my house. My wife and I are also big gamers, and these days we download all of our games. Of course, like any self-respecting American family, we're also subscribed to 35 streaming services. <laughs> I think we're in for one heck of a shock. Our only hope at this point, and I don't think it's a great one, is that Starlink will allow me the privilege of spending $100 a month for the equivalent of basic cable internet service sometime in 2023, if I'm lucky. Anyway, just wondering if you guys could ever make a similar leap if the situation was right. Thanks for the show, and I look forward to hearing you discuss this, even if it takes me a week to download the file. <laughs> oh, man, Mark. Um, it... I'm just gonna go straight to the conclusion. There is no way I could do this. I, I. But why? So, so yeah. talk about why, because I think that's the important. Right. Thing. So there, there are really two big reasons. One of which does apply to him. the The first one that may not is I work from home full time. I'm on Zoom all the time. I depend on having a very solid and stable internet connection. And maybe this DSL would be stable, but I would be very concerned about it being fast enough to provide a really good experience on Zoom all the time, all day long. So that would be a big concern. The The other ones, though, are the streaming and the gaming side. I'll let you talk to the to the streaming video side, Richard, since that's more relevant to you. The gaming side would be very problematic and both of your options have serious problems so the the first one is if you're going to the dsl option games nowadays are friggin' enormous and even if you're like well i can wait four days for the the next game the next hundred gigabyte game to download that's i guess fine it sounds miserable but i guess fine the the other problem though is they also update all the time, and the updates are frequently enormous. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten online to play with my friends, and we're going to play Call of Duty, and one of them says, oh, there's a 30 gig update for Call of Duty, and for some reason my Xbox didn't automatically download it. We're not playing Call of Duty that night in that case, and these are guys that have one and two and 300 megabit connections. Now, if it's at the top and there, then it might take a half an hour to download and then maybe we'll play. But you're talking hours to download any of those things. The The problem with Starlink, so even if Starlink gets you a faster connection, which it almost definitely will, it depends on what kind of gamer you are. Because Starlink, those satellites are pretty low, but they're still satellites. And so they still have much higher latency than a traditional internet connection would. So if you're at all competitive in any of these games and playing online multiplayer, that's probably not going to go well for you either. And the biggest downside to Starlink, at least this was true when one of my gamer friends tried it, was you had to not only pay for the privilege of giving them a bajillion dollars a month for their slow speeds. But you also had to outright buy the satellite dish and just absorb that cost. Like, I don't even know if you can return the satellite dish and I think it's $500. So uh, Richard, do you want to talk about the streaming services? Yeah, I I can. I, so 
I think on the streaming side, you're not in as bad a situation because the latency is less of a problem, right? So you have streaming services. Of course you do because everybody does now, but the streaming services are actually very good at dealing with bandwidth issues. So there are many different ways of buffering content and downloading content to make sure that you have a decent experience. Are you going to be able to watch 4K streaming stuff? No, you're not. But you will be able to watch HD stuff. You may not be able to have multiple streams. So you said, you know, your kids are used to the internet being ubiquitous. Sure, they can be surfing and doing stuff like that while you're watching something on your streaming service. But can they also be streaming? Probably not. I wouldn't recommend that. That's not going to be a great situation. Right. So I, I think that you're in a better situation here if you monitor how you're using your services. Limit how you're using your services. You know, maybe you give your two kids uh, the option that, you know, okay, tonight you get to watch whatever <laughs> right. you want. And the other night someone else gets to watch whatever they want. And then one night, maybe the weekends, I don't know, the parents get to decide what is streaming tonight. But th- this is something that you can't expect that you're going to have the same experience where you can all be online. So get a plan you know, you're going to save money in your plans because you can't have the high-res one. You can't have the 4K one, and you're not going to need the, the multiple streams as much. Right. The other thing that I would look into, and he doesn't really talk about this, and I don't know if it's because reception there is not good, but I would look into options over wireless service, meaning something from Verizon or AT&T or whoever in the area and maybe people who already live there have some idea of this, is providing the best data service in the area. You may be able to get some really good throughput to your devices through something like that. And I don't know how old your kids are, but I know that most of the kids, in quotation marks, that I know these days are watching stuff on their devices, not on the TV. Right. So a good data plan on devices may help with some of this situation. Yeah, I, I, I was going to recommend the same thing because if if this is your only option for internet in the house, like what Richard is describing, it sounds like my childhood growing up in a house with with five people and one TV. And you just <laughs> you had to take turns getting right. to choose who got to watch something. Unlike my family of four right now, where one of them is watching YouTube. One of them is watching Netflix. My wife is probably doing something on her phone and I'm gaming or on Zoom or something like that. That ain't happening on uh, on that DSL connection. Maybe yeah. on Starlink, maybe. And again, the latency won't matter for video streaming. Uh, I, I do like your idea of of phone, you know, cellular-based internet. I think that's a good option. The other thing that you should look into is... I know in in my area there are some rural it's it is essentially Wi-Fi uh it's like long range Wi-Fi and it it's typically faster than what you're describing it would have more latency than DSL but less than Starlink so and probably would cost less than Starlink so Look for some rural Wi-Fi type options like that also. But man, that's no, th- those options that you described would not work for me. Would not, would not. So there's one thing that I want to talk about before we leave this. And that's that you and I and many people that we hang out with and that we interact with take ubiquitous internet for granted. And I know that, I'm the one that's always raising the flag saying, yeah, but I travel and planes. Well, I haven't a lot recently, but (laughs) my point being that you're not always online. You don't always have 
this amazing internet connection to the world, wherever you happen to be. But I think for the most part, many of us kind of assume that it's just in the the deep far reaches or <laughs> places that are completely unpopulated where you're going to experience problems like this, that people we know, oh, they, you know, they're fine. They, they have internet service. And I, I think it's an interesting statement and also a frustrating statement given the, the, the moves that our government has made or not made to get ubiquitous internet into every home in a way that really makes sense. This 10-in-1 service you're talking about doesn't even meet the government's definition of what broadband is. And the government's definition of broadband is thought to be very low. Right, right. Yeah, look at, look at the cellular options for sure. Even if it's not cellular home internet, if, if it's just on your kid's phone and they're going to watch Netflix and YouTube on their phone, then they're not chewing up your home internet. And if they've got an unlimited data plan, which Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile all have these unlimited plans that are cheaper and just reduce the, the bit rate of the video stream. And on yep. a phone, you don't notice or care. And if you're 13, you definitely don't notice or care. And if you also, do, too bad. <laughs> If you were a cord cutter, you may want to uncut. Yeah. But like it it may make sense to get cable. Well, but he probably can't. If he could get cable, he could probably get cable internet. Uh yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Is there such a thing as actual direct TV from from a satellite? Satellite anymore? I think it still exists. Cuz if that still exists, that may also make sense until AT&T cancels it. <laughs> right. Right. All right. We have spent a lot of time. Thank you for that discussion because I think it's an interesting one. And again, something that we all just take for granted. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Now, Josh, I just want to say before we get started – so we have it on record and we could potentially use it as a title. Our audio listeners can't see this, but we're seeing a lot of your cat's tail in this episode. <laughs> yeah, she will not leave me alone. <laughs> she runs this place, especially me. There is no telling Evie what to do. Hmm. My dog is not allowed in my studio. See, if I would have closed the door completely, you would just hear her scratching at the door to get in. <laughs> this is probably better. All right, so let's get into the news. Uh, we actually have a story from Plex, but, and this this is not a retro story. Jose was talking about home theater PCs earlier and, and kind of talked about them as like, you know, this quaint solution we all used to have. And that is kind of factual for at least me and Richard. but. It's still a thing that a lot of our listeners have, and Plex knows that. And for a long, long time, Plex has been looking to replace the Plex PC app that most home theater PC users have been using for a long time. It's typically just referred to as Plex Media Player Desktop Mode. We're just going to call it PMP for short. And they've been trying to get rid of it forever because it's on an old code base so it doesn't have a lot of the same features as some of their newer apps. But for you home theater PC users out there, it also has a lot of advanced features that you can do when you're running on a computer that you can't do if you're trying to run your Plex media server or even your client off of something like a an NVIDIA Shield or uh, a streaming stick or a game console. There's just... Too many things that you can't do that way. So, you know, the, the HTPC diehard fans have been telling Plex, no, you can't just kill it. You're going to have to give us a replacement. And Plex did it. And as weird as it sounds, in 2022, to be talking about a new home theater PC app, Plex went ahead and did it. And I, I think that we've had a fair number of things that we've complained about from Plex over the last couple of years that at times it doesn't feel like they're listening 
to their users and what they're looking for when all we've really had to report on are things like we've got a new logo and here's the new free streaming service stuff that we're offering that nobody actually wants. So it is nice to see something that, that sounds like they're listening to their core audience because Plex started as a home theater PC app. That's right. where it, it began. So it began by, by branching off of XBMC. And so they've got a new app. It's called Plex HTPC. Its goal is to replace PMP. And it looks and works mostly like the the apps that you would get on those other streaming uh, sticks and, and game consoles and things like that. But it retains all of these core features that the hardcore HTPC people are looking for. And I, I think it's fair to call these people hardcore home theater PC people because <laughs> you have to really want it to still have a home theater PC at this point, right? Like, I'm not saying anything disparaging, but when when you've got so much content coming through streaming services and e- even access to your entire movie library streaming, and you, most of us, have fast enough internet to <laughs> be doing that, um, there just isn't as much of a need for home theater PCs unless you're super hardcore about some specific things. And some of those could be features that are available in this new uh, HTPC, like, you know, direct audio pass through, getting the exact audio stream that was on the the disc, the content that, that you ripped. Uh, refresh rate switching, which can be problematic on lots of devices. Uh, controller support, configurable input maps, like maybe you've got some crazy remote control and you want it to work exactly how you want it to. All of those things are options in this app. It's available now. It's available on Windows and Mac and Linux. I can't believe it wasn't available on Linux before, but this version is now. Have you have have you downloaded it and checked it out yet, Richard? No, I have not. So a couple things. You say it's available, but it's available in beta. Right. And they don't really tell you that I think until the last paragraph or <laughs> actually until you read the forum post where they put this because they always put these as links in like a support post for some reason which really drives me crazy. I just wish there was a place to download the betas instead of the specific support pages. So no, I have not had a chance to check this out. I'm delighted by this. I mean, I'm really happy to see that they are taking their users' feedback to heart and kind of embracing what they, you know, what they built this on. The one thing that I'm a little bit unclear about, and I don't know if you have a better feel for this than I do, is this is a replacement for the TV mode. Right. For Plex Media Player. But are they retiring Plex Media Player completely, meaning there will no longer be a desktop app? Because I don't like that. Like, I I am the kind of person who sits at my desk and does work. And then when six or seven or whatever time o'clock hits the, the um, clock in the evening, then I want to pop open a window and watch the news. I don't want some full screen thing on my Mac or my PC that is giving me a home theater experience. I want a typical mouse and window experience to watch TV shows while I'm still working. And I don't get the feeling that this is going to offer that. And if they're getting rid of Plex Media Player, then I'm not going to have that anymore. What about in the browser? I'm so sick of people saying, (laughs) you don't need our app anymore. Just open a browser tab, another browser tab, just like TweetDeck. Thank you, Twitter. (laughs) Uh, that's a good question. Let me, yeah, I don't know. I think we have to do some research there, but overall you asked me if I've tried it. I haven't, but I love that they're doing this. I think it's cool. Yeah. I I installed it 
and played around with it briefly. Uh, it, it was by no means a thorough uh, usage of it. But, but one of the first things that I always do with an app like this, especially when I'm sitting at a computer and don't have a remote control, is to just use a keyboard uh, because that's the best way to simulate a remote control. The arrow keys, the enter key, and the backspace key all map to your typical uh, arrows, okay, yeah. and back button. And yeah. uh, arrow key navigation worked perfectly, exactly how I'd expect it to work in a home theater PC app. The UI was beautiful. It supported the new themes that we talked about fairly recently, that they added some new Plex Pass only themes that was like a blue tinted one and like a magenta tinted one. They're all in there. It it looks great. It seems to work well. Um, I I am very curious to hear how our listeners are liking it because I have to imagine that some of you have tried it out already. And if you haven't, go and try it out now and let us know how well it works for you. Because like I said, Richard and I don't have home theater PCs anymore, right? You, you don't yeah. have one. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It might be what this show was born around but we're just not doing it anymore and and i have to imagine that all of these home theater pc users must also have other devices hooked up to your tv because one of the things that i did try and and we did talk about this on the show recently is you know plex has got this this new like watch list sort of functionality now i can't remember what it's called um that will allow you to search for shows and it tells you exactly where it is and stuff and will potentially right. launch it for you. Uh, so like I searched for Ted Lasso, which is only on Apple TV and Apple TV plus, I think it's called right. And yep. there's no windows PC app for Apple TV plus. So it doesn't launch anything. And hmm. I, if you've got a home theater PC, there isn't a good solution for all of these streaming apps, right? Like they make some of these apps in the Windows Store and stuff, but most of them don't actually work well with remote controls, and there's no good way to actually switch between those apps. So all of these home theater PC users must also have a Roku or a game console or something, right? We're getting to that point just like we were back in the day when you had to bootstrap stuff together because you had PC apps that would get you to some content, but not anything that was designed to run on an HTPC. Right. Exactly. So there it is, the the new Plex HTPC app. Get it, check it out, let us know how you like it, because it looks good. But we want to know from you who are actually using this stuff on a daily basis. All right, a couple of quick ones. So Nessen, which I believe stands for Northeastern Sports Network, but I don't know for sure. Uh, it's a sports network uh, like ESPN, but based out of the Boston area. And they're launching their own streaming service. It's called Nessen 360. Apparently, they're going about 10 years back and, and using the, the 360 uh, postfix on on their name instead of they they missed the memo that we now just put plus after all of our names (laughs) (laughs) come on guys and this is a streaming service that streams two things boston red sox games and boston bruins games live and on demand that's it it's it is a standalone paid streaming service, or if you have Nessen through a paid TV provider like a, a local cable operator, you can use the app for free. This service, which is just for streaming those two teams, cost $29.99 a month. That's bananas. Oh, but wait. <laughs> or if, if you want to do the math on this, how much is that a year, Richard? Well, this isn't exactly the same because it is, it is discounted by i think one month less a cent <laughs> for $329.99 a you can year. get a yearly subscription oh my gosh now you you do get one cool perk with that subscription if if you pay for the yearly one you get eight tickets to a red sox game of your choice that that's cool mm-hmm. it doesn't say that they're good tickets but it is eight tickets to a red sox game of your choice. So that's cool. And it also doesn't say if there are any blackouts. Well, it says your choice. 
Yeah, sure. You get to choose from from this it's list like, of six you know games. a free movie of your choice from these eight miserable titles. <laughs> that could be true. Could be true. Uh, they th- th- this will work on computers, iOS, Android, Apple TV, and Roku. It's only going to be available for people who live in that area. Eventually, it might come to other areas, but right now it doesn't. Uh, and Gadget, which is where we found out about this, uh, suggested, you know, if all you're looking for is Red Sox games, you could subscribe to MLB TV, their single team package, for $99 a year and get pretty much all of those games except for the nationally televised ones. Though The one thing about that, though, is if you live in that market, those games are all blacked out on MLB TV, so you might need another solution like a VPN or something like that. So. Yeah, so that's really interesting, right? They're blacked out because of this. Right. They're blacked out because of agreements that they have in the area to make these games available, which have historically been with the cable providers and the local channels. And guess what? That's not bringing in the revenue anymore. So now they're trying to do this individually and get you just. I I, I can't even ugh, I can't even begin to tell you how much I dislike this. And I am not a sports ball sports ball guy. I have no interest in this whatsoever. But I strongly dislike the idea that any one market <laughs> thinks that they can get away with. I mean, it's not technically extortion, <laughs> but these outrageous fees for you to be able to see without any blackouts, all the games for these teams in that area, it's ridiculous. And if you have every single friggin' market doing this and doing it their own way, coming out with their own service that works differently from everybody else's with its own terms and its own pricing. This is going to be bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not excited about this. Don't hope. I hope that this doesn't last long or at least doesn't last long before they radically reduce the price. Cause that's crazy. So you live in new England, you live in Boston. These Boston teams are who you root for. We want to hear about it. Yep. Tell us what you think. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to pay them? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, another hopefully quick one, uh, because it's really more of an update on something that we've been waiting for six-ish months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google TV, the biggest promise of the, the device and service really was that they offered a great recommendation experience based on the things that you already watch. It's Google. They know everything about you. And if you're watching everything through a Google TV device, then they can put their algorithms to work and suggest all the things that you want to watch. That's all great until you have multiple people in your house using the same device. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a solution to this that we've known about for years, and it's called multiple profiles. And that is now finally rolling out on Google TV after being announced last fall it's now available and some of the questions that we've had about it have been answered so one question i had was if i switch to another profile do i have to re-log in to all of my streaming apps again because that sounds like a fate worse than death no thank you uh fortunately you don't have to it it has it shares all of the same login experience however a lot of people have then asked well will it if if I'm logged in on on my profile on the Google TV, will it also automatically log me into my Netflix profile? No, no, it won't. It doesn't know. Like how does how does it know that that's your Netflix profile instead of your wife's profile or your uncle's or whatever? So it doesn't do that, but it does do that for Google specific things. So if you open up YouTube, well, then it knows that it's your Google profile and it signs you into your Google profile for YouTube. Same with YouTube TV. The other big downside to this though, is if you have kids in your family and you are actually using child profiles within Google for them, if it's a kid who's under the age of 13, their profile will not be able to use any live TV service. 
it's just a restriction on Google TV that, that I didn't know about. So they won't be able to watch live TV on their own profile. That could be a, a deal breaker for some people. That's nuts that that is not a selectable option. Like, I can't believe that they make the decision that under 13, you're not allowed to watch TV because um, don't be my nanny, right? Yeah. Like, let me as a parent make those decisions. That That's – I am not at all confident that that will stand. I, I think that when this – that may have worked fine if you had an account and you were under 13 and you were a Google – account holder that you didn't have access to stuff that, you know, they didn't know what was out there. But if you have a profile and your family is like, yeah, you should be able to watch TV. That's nuts. Even if it's an on off, that's better than this. Right. Ideally, you may want to provide the option to filter channels. That would be cool. Oh, by the way, you know what TV has? Because all TV was required to do this years ago. Ratings on every show burned in to the display of the show so that it can be detected by computers to figure out if you should be able to watch this or not. Yep. And all of those services provide parental controls to block anything that's above a rating that you specify. Yeah, no, they need to fix that. That's bad. But I'm glad to see that they have profiles. I think it's still going to be a little problematic, but oh, because, you know, is your spouse, is your daughter, is your son actually going to bother to make sure that when they start, they select the right profile? Or are they just going to click through the first one that's on the screen because that's the fastest path to getting to watch whatever it is they watch? Right. I don't know, because it's only a Google TV feature, not an Android TV feature. So if you've got a Google TV with Chromecast, this is rolling out for you. If you've got an NVIDIA <sighs> Shield, you don't get this. Don't even get me started about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Richard, let's move on to some audio news. Yeah, so um, two things from Sonos. The, the first is that uh, Sonos has finally released the voice control capabilities that we talked about in the past, where you can say, hey, to your Sonos speaker and ask it to play something. Now, we talked about this in the past. It's not all services. So, you know, that's kind of weird. It's on the devices that already offer the ability to use your Amazon or Google Assistant. So, it's kind of incremental on top of that. In theory, they're going to offer more Sonos-specific capabilities that they're not necessarily offering through those third-party assistants. But right now, this seems more limited than what you could do just by using your assistant that you already know from your Echo device or from your Google devices. So I'm not, I, I can you tell I'm not excited about this? It is rolling out now. It is finally available to uh, devices and customers. Interesting little twist here. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's following any legal news about Sonos these days. But while it can live on your device alongside Amazon's assistant, meaning you can call up the assistant that you're used to with Amazon or call on Sonos to play something for you. You can't do that with Google. So, you know, they still haven't quite buried the hatchet with their beef that they have with Google and licensing and patents and all that sort of stuff. So that means that if you want to use this and you're a Google assistant user, you have to switch exclusively to just using Sonos's built-in assistant. This is too complicated, Josh. Is is there any reason why you should use the Sonos assistant over your your Google or Amazon assistant? I personally can't think of any right now. I mean, I have a really hard time. 
even if at some point in time they start adding features like, oh, add this room or add this room, things that you can't do easily just by talking to your Amazon lady, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And unless, unless you could say, also play this in that room or something like that. That's the the only thing that I could think of that would be sono specific that I would actually care about. Right. Yeah. Just stick yeah. with the assistant you've already got. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, I mentioned there were two Sonos things. So the other thing, real quick, they had a soundbar out that we talked about recently, the Ray. There's some early reviews on that. And uh, the Engadget review is basically saying that, yeah, it sounds good. It sounds better than your TV. It doesn't sound as good as some other soundbars, but it's probably a decent entry level device for people who don't yet have a soundbar but are in the Sonos world. Yeah, and and just just to be a little bit more specific on that, they, <laughs> they said that it doesn't sound good as other more expensive soundbars. Yeah, yeah, like it. If if you're gonna go buy a hundred twenty dollar Roku soundbar, it sounds better than that, as you yeah. expect. Like, I mean, this is so they're confirming what we all kind of expected. It's Sonos, so it sounds better than you ex- would expect for the size of the device. But also, it's a smaller device with limited functionality, so it's somewhat limited. And if you know all that and you're cool with that, then it's probably a pretty good thing for you. But we'll put a link to the the full review from Engadget in the show notes. All right. And that takes us to the gaming news for this week. Uh, Kind of a quick update on the Microsoft streaming stick that has been rumored for over a year now. And actually not rumored. Microsoft said it themselves that they were working on a streaming device so that you could use Xbox Cloud Gaming from basically any screen available. And Mm -hmm. they talked about it uh, potentially making the cloud gaming uh, service an app on smart TVs. That's not available yet. And they talked about making their own hardware device streaming stick, basically. And Microsoft spoke with Jez Corden from Windows Central and told him, we're still working on it, but... Everything that we've been working on, it hasn't really exactly worked out how we wanted to yet. And they didn't get into any specifics. Like, are are, are they hardware limited? Have they not figured out how and if they want to support video streaming services from the same device so that you only need one device for everything that you do on the TV? No specifics at all like that. Really, all they're saying is, we're still working on this. We found out. It was a harder problem than we had originally hoped. So we're still working on it. And don't get your hopes up for some big announcement at our Xbox and Bethesda game showcase on June 12th. Like, oh, geez, no. That's definitely not going to happen. Geez, no. Yeah, no. The, the quote from them, you're being very kind, Josh. <laughs> I think the quote from them is far more damning than that i I, basically they're saying we're scrapping what we did and we're gonna try again that's a gross summary of what they're saying but that sounds to me like what they're saying and it makes me wonder okay does that mean instead maybe you're gonna come up with an xbox app for other people's devices instead of Mm. trying to create your own hardware for this that's what they were probably trying to do is minimize the hardware requirements to make this work yeah i think so no i i I completely agree with you i i don't think we're saying different things here uh you know what they tried to do didn't work so they're trying something different and that's normal in product development we just don't normally hear about it (laughs) yeah it's called iterating exactly learn from what didn't work and you try again exactly Exactly. That's how we actually got to the moon. <laughs> right. You mean it It wasn't Apollo 1 that landed people on the moon, Richard? Oh, poor, poor choice of an example. But no, it wasn't, let's say, Mercury 1 or whatever the first Mercury flight was called or <laughs> Gemini flight. <laughs> Sorry. 
I, I'm not as uh, great on my space history there. Um, yeah, people died in Apollo 1. Did so. they really? Yikes. Yeah. Ooh, geez. Because um, it was 13 that landed, right? Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Okay. So, uh, so that's it for what they're calling codename Keystone. I, I think I forgot to, to put that detail out there. Th- this streaming stick thing they they are acknowledging is called codename Keystone. So if you hear about Keystone, that's what they're talking about. All right. And lastly, from the... I, I, the I have news. to go back and correct our space talk for just a minute there. <laughs> 13 landed safely back on Earth. 11 landed on the moon. Just, right. So, yeah. Right. All right. We yep. got to get our Apollo straight. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for, for correcting that. Um, yeah, because we're coming up on the anniversary. Well, I guess it's a little bit more than a month away. I don't know why Again, I was thinking it was July. Somehow. It's June. But yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, last gaming story. We've mentioned before, E3 is not happening this year at all. Not in person, not digitally, not at all. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other things happening still. In fact, there's still a ton of things happening. In fact, maybe more things are happening now because E3 isn't happening. And while that's kind of good news, it does make it kind of difficult to keep it all straight and to know when and where and what and how to find all of this glorious gaming goodness that we're all looking for in June. So uh, the folks over at Digital Trends put together an article that has a big list and schedule of all of the events as we know of them so far, there will be more to be announced, I'm sure, into July and stuff like that. But even some of the ones that are a little bit further out, like Gamescom is in August, that's on there. Uh, just a nice little schedule for what you can look for, and especially for some of the ones that you might not have known about. Some of the the smaller studios and things like that that are, are still hosting events, and you might want to check them out, that might have been noticed, like you know, the, the IGNs of the world might have found some gems from smaller studios at at an event like E3, but might be harder to discover in this, well, everything's remote and digital uh, world that we now live in. So go ahead and check that out over at Digital Trends. There's a link in the show notes. All right, that's it for the news. So Richard, let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. Two weeks, a fair amount of television, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, loving it, loving it, loving it. They're doing a great job with that. On Netflix, I finished Heartstopper. I watched, for some reason, the HGTV Smart Home 2022, and I was just as disappointed as I always am because (laughs) they just don't dive enough into the actual smart home stuff, but it is what it is. Apple TV Plus had a really cool event last week called Prehistoric Planet. Every night they released a new episode, almost like a mini series. What? Of a series made by BBC, hosted by uh, Attenwood. Is that his name? Uh, the British dude, Attenborough. And it was. Of the ilk of all of their Earth and <laughs> those types of things they've done, except imagined in prehistoric times. How did they film dinosaurs? Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they managed to find a time machine, but uh, they did. And they are just like these amazing pixel-perfect images of dinosaurs that you have never friggin' seen before. Now, we question, did they take liberties? They had to, right? Like, we, I, we, we question what we know these days because what we know about dinosaurs is changing. Edward was convinced they were making up names of dinosaurs, <laughs> making up dinosaurs, because we'd never heard of half of the dinosaurs that they had. But I mean, it was cool. It was really cool. They did a very good job. I am really happy we watched it. I don't think it had the emotional impact for me that the Planet Earth series did and Planet Earth 2, because I think those were just 
those were astounding. And they show you the environment that you live in mm -hmm. and the things that you take for granted and don't understand. This is not like that. This is talking about a different world at a different time, but it's very cool. So highly recommend that if you have Apple TV+. Plus. Also watched a couple more episodes of the last season of Doctor Who. We finished the regular season. Now we are up to the specials. We have two specials to go until the one that is still pending. I don't remember when that comes out. I think in a month or two. Watch the This Is Us finale led up to by the last few episodes that I had watched prior to that. They delivered on this. It was so good. This series has done the like more to tug at your heartstrings than any writing in a television I, series that I can think of. And it was so creatively told nothing that I've ever really seen or read before. And they completely delivered on the finale. I was very, very happy and satisfied the new Amsterdam season finale. Yes. I confirmed this before talking about it this time. <laughs> This was the last episode of the season. There is supposed to be another season, assuming that they follow through on it. But it also uh, delivered. It was good. Hacks is back. Hacks is the series on HBO Max, I believe, or, and, and HBO as well. This is Gene Smart and some comedian whose name I can't remember. And Gene Smart plays a kind of washed up comedian that's trying to still be relevant today. And this young comedian is her writer and trying to help her be hip and cool. And it's fun. It's a really fun show. So I'm watching the second season of that. Now I got back to the expanse. I'm now on season four. I forgot that season four is where Amazon took over. So sci-fi basically cut it off at the end of season three and season four seems like a, a new thing because now we're, we know a lot more now. We're in a new, new place. We're not in a new place, but it, it's things have changed in the solar system as we know it. And now they're exploring that. So it, it's cool. I'm enjoying that. And for some reason, we chose to rewatch the movie Enchanted from Disney. This is with Amy Adams and the dude from Grey's Anatomy. I can never remember his name. It's a really, really cute film. It's very clever the way they reference all these long ago stories from other animated Disney films. And there's a portion of this that is also animated. I have watched certain scenes in this movie. This will tell you a little bit about Richard Psyche and how he watch movies, watches movies. I have watched certain scenes in this movie easily 50 times. Easily. I don't think I've ever watched the full movie through from the beginning to the end, except now twice. The first time I saw it and now this last time. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. Mm. I thoroughly recommend it if you haven't yet watched it. And it's kid-friendly. Patrick Dempsey is the person you were Patrick Dempsey. There you go. Can never remember his name. All right. That's it for me, Josh. What have you been doing in your entertainment center? Okay. Or outside of your entertainment center or even home, maybe. Yeah. One really exciting one outside of my entertainment center. Uh, but a few things inside. The the normals, are the, the regulars are still there. NHL and Call of Duty. Also decided to start control over again. It's just too good. I had to come back. And uh, I, I know you're probably like, yeah, but didn't you say you were going to do Final Fantasy 13? I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, what is control? Control is, uh, it's a game. It actually came out in 2019. And it's it's a third person action movie, action game where you play a woman who's investigating what the heck, like something supernatural happened when she was a child. And her brother disappeared. And so her searching for him has led her to the Federal Bureau of, not investigation, the Federal Bureau of Control. And it is... Oh, I don't like the sounds of that. Well, yeah. And it's all this like supernatural kind of stuff going on. And the story is really interesting. The gameplay is really good. Uh, it, it's 
It's a really, really well done game. It was a game that I was super hyped for before it came out, and I just didn't get around to it right away. Um, it won Game of the Year from a bunch of places like IGN. It's really good. It was cool. on Game Pass. I'm not sure if it still is. It's regularly on sale. It's so good, and I'm trying to finish it before I go on vacation because it's it's just so good. Like if if you like third person action games, you have to check out Control because it's it's just amazing. But I also went and saw something. Went to the movie theaters again. I've been waiting so long, so long for this movie. I got to see Top Gun Maverick. And to to put it all in in context, I was, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I loved the first Top Gun. I can't tell you how many times I watched Top Gun as a kid. Love that movie. I've uh, yeah, it's it's just, you know, I grew up wanting to be a fighter pilot and stuff because of Top Gun. And I so I had reasonable hopes for it. Like so often these these sequels that come out 30 years later, not not too great. This blew away all of my expectations. It was so so good. It was so amazingly good. Like I I, I saw it on Saturday. Today is Wednesday. I've been thinking about it. I can't think of the last time I saw a movie that I liked as much as I liked Top Gun Maverick. It's wow. that good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Everybody that I've talked to has said that this is just phenomenal. It's so fantastic. And I don't think you need to couch it that, okay, you know, in the 80s, no. there was some, I, it, this is just a really good movie. I'm so happy that it delivers because they waited so long to get this out. And I hoped that it would be worth the wait, that I hoped that it would be uh, worth holding on to it and, right. you know, losing all that potential revenue to get it out at the right time. I'm really happy about this. I, you know, I, I want to see this. I, I, there was a sliver of a chance that I might've seen it today. I was at a museum that had an IMAX and we checked to see how full the theater was going to be. And they were already half sold out an hour before the show. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. I just can't do it. I'm not there in my head yet. Yeah. And uh, I I want to see this, but I somehow I need to find where all my friends are going that they're finding empty theaters because I don't know of any around here. Yeah, this one wasn't empty. It was definitely more people than I would have preferred, uh, but but it was by no means full for a Saturday afternoon on opening weekend. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and and I of course. You know, it, it was on a whole bunch of screens in the theater and made sure to watch it on the, the best big screen that was available in there. And it still wasn't that it, it, it was definitely not full. It was may, maybe ha probably not even half full. So I don't know. Come to Toledo, I guess. The, I guess that's your answer. <laughs> Come to Toledo. But I don't I don't know how Tom Cruise continues to be so phenomenal. I, I just I love Tom Cruise and everything he's in. So. Yeah. I like Tom Cruise. I like Tom Cruise's acting. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, he's crazy, but as an actor, <laughs> he's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's pretty much it for what's going on in my entertainment center. And yeah. You teased that you were going on vacation. Do you want to kind of give a heads up on that? Yeah. So it's not for another week. Um, so we, we should be back next week. Um, but I leave the week after that for, uh, it's a little over two weeks and probably by the time I get home from that, I don't know that I'm going to be ready to jump right into podcasting mode immediately. So there's a potential for three weeks of no show here. Uh, so we'll let you know, but, uh, but we will be back next, next week and, Maybe we'll have some more information about it then. All right. Yeah. Uh, in in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us and send us more feedback that we love, love, love so much, 
You can do that on Twitter. He's at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard uh, or at DigiMediaZone for the website. Entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com is the email address. And all of our show notes are over at the website, thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can also find Richard's other podcast, which is called Home On. Richard, what's going on with Home On? So unless you're one of the people in our chat this evening, the episode with Home Assistant is in your feed now. And our upcoming episode which is going to be episode 150, oh my features Greg Rhodes from Leviton. And we're talking about the new smart home products that they have to offer now. Also thought it was an interesting point that roughly around this time, June 3rd, nine years ago, no, we launched Home On. There is no way Home On is nine years old. Right? Crazy. Wow. 2013. I, I would have guessed five years. <laughs> Stupid pandemic screwing with the space-time continuum. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Congratulations. Awesome. For sure. Well, definitely go and check that out. And then come back next week for uh, for this show, because we, we do usually record this live on Twitch usually Tuesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We always tweet when the show is going to be live, and we love to have you. If if you're in the live chat now, uh, please subscribe so Twitch will also notify you when when we go live and and join and be a participant in the show because you don't just have to listen and watch. There's a chat room, and you can actually talk to us, and that makes it even more fun. So. That is going to do it for episode 590. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.